Good morning, everybody. Uh, Handle here. It is a uh, Saturday morning right after Dean Sharp uh, with the House Whisper. And uh, as always, oh, you know what? Now that I'm on for three hours instead of five, uh, I'm going to occasionally tell you to go to uh, handleonthelaw.com. You need a lawyer uh, because uh, I like doing that because my lawyers like me to do that. So uh, I will be interrupting. As a matter of fact, here's what I think I'm going to do. Every time anybody asks me a question, hey, Bill, how are you? Handleonthelaw.com if you need a lawyer. Oh, well, I have a question for you. Yeah, well, let me answer it. Starting with, uh, go to handleonthelaw.com if you need a lawyer. All right, it's that kind of day. Hello, Tessa. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. So yesterday I went out with Gary and Shannon out to their event, and uh, it's uh, it was kind of fun. So many people, and was delightful, came up to me and saying, I've been listening to you for, and then I stopped them. And I literally go, shut up. Just shut up. I don't want to hear it. Done. Or, my parents love your show. Well, of course they do. How about your grandparents? Oh, they love you even more. Okay, thank you. Leave me alone. Get out. And by the way, it was like a second opinion. You're ugly. Now leave. Nothing, nothing depresses me more than that. Actually, that's not true. That's not true. I've been at this for such a long time. It actually has become fun. If you don't mind talking when you're completely dead, uh, which is the way I feel. All right. That's not, again, that's not true. I got a program director who just screams at me whenever she hears that sort of stuff. All right, uh, phone number, 800-520-1534, 800-520-1534 is the number to call for uh, the legal advice that you probably don't need, or, well, you need, uh, but don't want, especially if it's coming from me. Okay, this is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, York, Pennsylvania. A 42-year-old man uh, is arrested after he exposed himself and uh, then decided to defecate right in front of a Starbucks on one of the main streets. And this was just after midnight. And uh, just uh, now, let me tell you something. Someone who exposes himself in front of a Starbucks and then defecates, let's not jump to conclusions, All right, let's not make any value judgments here, all right? You have to look at his side of the coin. Uh, Could be that uh, he got a wrong order uh, from Starbucks. I've done that, and I've been very, very angry. Have you ever gotten a wrong order uh, from Starbucks? Of course you have. Didn't you want to expose yourself and defecate right in front of the store? Of course you have. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so he'll probably be nailed on that. Uh, Actually, he got into an altercation uh, with a man and it all, char- he was charged incidentally. Uh, we're talking, uh, about a guy, uh, named, uh, uh Howard Bruce. Uh, he was, uh, charged with indecent exposure. Uh, okay. Uh, public drunkenness, disorderly conduct. There is no specific crime of crapping in front of a Starbucks. There is no statute that says you cannot do it. It is disorderly conduct. All right, fair enough. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, take uh, a phone call or two. All right, let's start with you. Hello, Beverly. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Oh, hi. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, About 30 years ago, maybe 30, more than 30 years ago, I worked for a company, and they asked if we wanted to buy stock in the company. So 
I didn't know much about it. And uh, the company was a cell company, right? Uh, and you're wondering why they keep on cutting you off? All right. We'll try to get her a little bit later on, if possible. Uh, hello, Jim. Jim. Uh, this is Ben. Uh, oh, Ben. I'm sorry. I thought it was a Oh, I got you wrong. I'm sorry, Ben. Yep, you're a Ben. All right. Uh, so 11 years ago, I got married, and eventually we moved to South Carolina. Nine years ago, I got sick, leading to kidney failure, uh, which led to swelling of my optic nerves, which caused me to become legally blind seven years ago, so no more driving. I had a leg amputated one year ago, so now I can't even drive it illegally. Finally, I had my other great toe amputated two months ago. My wife stayed I'm with me Wait a second. I'm, I'm assuming not on the same leg that you were amputated on a few years back. It's not that leg. That is it's correct. The other leg. Okay, I just want to get the body parts together. Okay, fair enough. So my wife stayed with me through it all until I was in the hospital this last time when she ran off with her secret boyfriend in Ohio. Who had two, um, who had two legs, right? No, I, I, presumably. Yeah, bastard. Uh, no kidding. Uh, you know, I can only count up to 14. Uh, but we've, we've talked since, and she's advised me that she's going to quit claim the house and all the remaining property except for the car to me. Okay. Uh, and, in fact, it's a pretty amicable breakup, given the circumstances of sure. her leaving. Sure. However, I am now housebound, and my nearest support structure is a minimum of 20 miles away. What does that mean? Uh, so I have, uh, my mother and my sister okay. live uh, Understood. about that far. Okay. Uh, my questions are... Is divorce easier in one state or the other? No, uh, probably most it, most states are usually about the same because most are going over to D, uh, are default states. Dissolution uh, of yeah, I just said yeah, irreconcilable differences. I mean, there are some uh, where you don't want to get divorced, where you get completely nailed if you're the husband. Although, good God, man, uh, you know what judge is going to look at you and feel better about your wife? Uh, so. Well, so you can go you know, state shop. You, you have to live where you you go. Are you going to get? Are you going to move to get divorced? Well, no. See, this is my house. Um, this is the house that that I grew up in as a child. Uh, so I'm keeping the house. She's okay. claiming it. Me, uh, Wait a minute. Know, what is she? What, 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 what? Let's talk about why she's quick to claiming it over to you. Is her name on title? Yes. Okay. Got it. You, uh, you transfer well, over well, her but, name. But, but, both of ours. Okay. Are on title current. All right. Um. So. Uh, another question is, would it be easier if we did the divorce before she establishes residence in the new state? Doesn't matter because you're going to get divorced in the state you live in. Doesn't matter where she moves. And if it's an amicable, uh, amicable divorce, uh, all you do is uh, file for divorce. I don't even think you necessarily need uh, an attorney, especially if. Uh, oh, yeah, we, we're going to be doing a, a quickie online. Yeah, divorce. that's that's fine. I'm assuming she doesn't want any support. You don't want any support. You just want the house. That's she right. gets the car, and everybody is uh, reasonably happy. You sign off on it, and you're yeah yeah you're probably okay. It's an easy divorce. So, uh, was your question about the state? Well, it, that was the first part. the 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 other question I have uh, is a little different. Obviously, I'd want to wait until the quit claims is recorded, but. Would it be wise to swear out a swear out a warrant against her because she's abandoning a disabled person? No, there's no, no, there's no, there's no crime in disa- uh, dis- abandoning an able, a disabled person. Oh. You, you can do that all day long. She has no duty to take was, care uh, of you. No, not that I know of. There's absolutely no duty. She can uh, 
leave you by the side of the road. Well, she can't, well, be, well, no, she can't leave you by the side of the road, but yeah, she can. She can bail. She's done. She can do. Uh, she can do all of it. So uh, okay. yeah, you're 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 screwed. And uh, why wouldn't you sell the house and then move over to where your sister and your mom live and, and pick up something there? It's it's basically going to be impossible to to sell the house. Uh, uh, I bought it from my mother, and while she was living here. Um, she basically ran the house into the ground, okay. and I, I'm basically stuck with it. All right, fair enough. All right, uh, all right, you're good. So just uh, it's easy. You do it. You just hop on over to the computer, and uh, you'll uh, be able to file it very simply. All right. Thank you for calling, oh. sir. All right, you thank got you. it. All right, uh, we'll take a break. Coming up, uh, we have plenty more of handle on the law. All right, good morning. Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. 800-520-1534. That's the number to call. We have a couple lines open. So uh, <clears throat> make it to a phone and uh, pick it up or don't. And if you're even if you're in the car and you don't have hands-free, go ahead and pick up the phone. And if a cop does stop you, uh, just say, Handle says it was okay. And there's an exemption to uh, the hands-free law when you're calling my show. All right, make sure you do that. You know, so, by the way, some idiot's going to do that and uh, call in and say, uh, the cop said no, that's not true. Hey, you called me. What can I say? All right, welcome back to Handle on the Law. And uh, Jim, hello, Jim. You're welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. Yes. Thanks. Uh, about three weeks ago, my wife witnessed a, a car collision. We have dash cam footage of it, mm-hmm. and we just got a preservation notice that there's a personal injury case ongoing. We've already sent a copy to the police, so they have it. But my question for you is, if she gets called in to testify, is there any way that we can make money off of this? Sure. Uh, here's what you do. First of all, uh, you uh, when you go into court, all right, they're going to give... Uh, uh, they're going to ask for your name, and make sure you put in, uh, as a middle name, Sleazeball. Okay, that's really important. All right? Uh, second of all, you're being subpoenaed. So the answer is no. You can't make money out of this. Now, you can try. You can call them up, and uh, you can try to extort them. So the answer is no. You've already given it out. The police have it. They can get it from the police. You're being subpoenaed and if you be, by being called into court. No, you can't make money out of it. Uh, because it's so all- the the babysitter we have to hire the day off work to get somebody else money. Well, that you can that do. Account. I mean, that you can do. You you're being called as a witness, not an expert, but witness. But you're being called as an eyeball witness, and you can say uh, to uh, the uh, the attorneys, uh, say, hey, you know, bottom line is, I need to hire a babysitter. You got to cover my expenses. That's legit. That's legit. Or a right. day off of work, I'd get that money. Uh, but I don't think you can sell the actual uh, video. Uh, that's... And the video also shows my wife doing a rolling stop before she called nine one one. Yeah, they nail her on that. Uh, no, they're not going to. This was a cop. Was were people banged up? How serious a car uh, accident was it? So it was a. Uh, the the cop said that there was no serious injuries. That there might be some soft tissue. 
Oh, but, um, what, the car what, oh, that did God, the, did the colliding might have been a DUI, and it was a really nice car. Yeah, no, so and no one's no, no one's going to stop you. No one's going to stop you or tag you for uh, or a DUI. I mean, a, a stop sign violation. No, you're fine. Although, you know, good for you saying you want to make some money off of this. Uh, that's always good. Absolutely. Uh, I once did. Uh, you know what? I'm trying to remember last time I did this. I remember uh, there was uh, there was a poor dog missing. You know, the, you, you, when dogs are missing, you see uh, the, you know, they do posters all over the neighborhood. And uh, they... Uh, they, you know, staple them up there and reward five hundred dollars, two hundred and fifty, whatever it is. And there was a dog uh, that uh, I grabbed, and uh, I remember calling the number and saying five hundred dollars isn't enough. Let's start talking. Didn't work out, unfortunately. Okay, uh, Beverly. Hello, Beverly. Hi. Thank you. Um, about thirty years ago, I worked for a company, and uh, they asked if we wanted to purchase some stock and it would take some money about out of our paycheck for the stocks so i did that so during the over the years i had dividends and whatnot paid to me and last year uh it was a forced sale another company bought them out so it was a forced sale of all the stock then the broker company is asking for the original certificates and i don't have them yeah. they never sent them to me yeah, just say you and don't ask me just say you don't have them i did but the broker company is asking for a thousand dollars to research it. Well, that's a little much. Said, no, that's that's yeah. a little that's a little tough. I can see a couple of hundred dollars, uh, but you say, come right. on, a thousand dollars to research a document that you guys have? No, no, start negotiating. I mean, they have start negotiating. Yeah, okay, they have the certificate numbers and everything. Yeah, that's kind. That's yeah, that's uh, that that's pure extortion. Matter of fact, uh, I wouldn't even go a couple hundred dollars to say I have all the information. I would go thirty, forty bucks. Uh, there and you okay. go that that is completely crazy, and if they go ahead and say it's a thousand dollars, then you have to pay it under protest. You can turn around and sue them instantly and say that's the only way I could have gotten my uh, that's the only way I, I could have gotten uh, the stock certificates. That's kind of crazy. Now this is uh, the brokerage that's asking for this. I be- yes, I believe it was a holding company. It's Computer Source Service or Computer. Okay, so it's not the brokerage. Compu- it's not. Serve. It's not the brokerage company, correct? Well, it's Computer Serve, and they no, seem to be representing not, the sale of the company. Okay, can you find out if that's a brokerage company? If it's a licensed brokerage, that's where you want to go with this. Because if it okay, is a so- brokerage company, that is licensed and it is regulated, and you want to go to the regulators. And say, so would I go? To, okay, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. And you, and this is regulated, and you would uh, then say, "Hey, I'm being extorted by this company," and then then it starts because you know what are you going to do? You're going to sue? You're going to not sue? It's it's not easy uh, if they want to nail you. Um, how much is all of this worth, by the way? Um, over twenty five thousand. Yeah. All right. See if they're uh, regulated. Call them up and see. Come on, what are you doing? You know, a thousand dollars to pull some stock certificate numbers that you have, and if they already have the numbers and they have the numbers, then I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if you necessarily. They can reissue stock. That's easy. They can reissue. You can you can reissue stock certificates. People lose stock certificates all the time, and it's not as if oh, it's not like cash. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I do. So that's their charge to reissue them and then order. Yeah, but it should be. But it should be a few dollars only. How much does it cost to print up stock certificates? 
Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I gotta love a thousand bucks. Sure, why not five thousand dollars? What the hell? If you're gonna go for it, really go for it, or go thirty percent of the value of your stock. We'll pl- we'll pretend it's a contingency, a lawyer contingency fee. This is handle on the law. And good morning on a uh, Saturday. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hey, Jay. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? I purchased about 30 years ago a Steinway piano. Uh Uh-huh. And now I tried to sell it, and I found out that there's a defective part in the piano that Steinway acknowledged and stopped the manufacturing of the pianos with that part in 1983, I think it is. Okay. And they they produced those pianos with that part in it over, over about a 20-year period, ending in 85. So now, over 30 years later, I'm finding out I can't sell the piano. Because well, how big how big a defect are we talking about? It's it's in the action. There's there's Teflon pins that they use, and that's across the entire uh, that's that's across the entire piano, correct? Yes, yes. But you can it, can you hear that it works still? Yes, it does work. But you go on the internet when the buy when when buyers go on the internet, they research. Um. Uh, Steinway pianos. This issue is all over the internet. I had I had one offer from a dealer that says, "Hey, I can't give you fifty percent of what it's worth." All right. So how much how much money are you losing on this? Um, approximately twenty five thousand dollars. Okay, it's a chunk. Uh, now, normally, I would tell you to go pound sand because we're talking. Uh, you only bought it thirty years later, and then there's some Steinways that are one hundred and fifty years old. And uh, you could say the same thing for a Steinway 100, 100, you know, that was made in the 1800s, too. Uh, so the only thing that, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I would I would tell you to go to hell. The only thing uh, that I think is fairly interesting that I would go, have no idea if it's going to work or not, is argue an implied warranty that Steinways are built to last for generation after generation. And for them uh, to have put in a defective part is um, uh, what they did is they sold you, uh, obviously, a defective part, although it sounds good still. And I think that's going to be their defense, saying it sounds as good as it has. I mean, there's no difference in the sound. So maybe you want to go out and sell it. And 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 your defense is I'm trying to and I can't get the money. That's what I would argue. Have you called them up? I call they they always referred they always refer me to the dealers. Like what dealer? Um, you haven't been around. You say my dealer was gone thirty years ago. What the hell are you talking about? And what does a dealer do about a defective part? You expect right. the dealer to manufacture a part? No, someone's blowing you off. And Steinway is I mean, this is a company that has a worldwide reputation. I mean, you would think they would back it up. Although manufacturing uh, the action, 
uh, it's... So what was defective about the action if they were producing it for X number of years? It's what it's called a bushing in, in, in the action. It's they use Teflon instead. I understand, of but oh, but wait a second. And I understand, but wasn't that what they did for twenty years? They did, but what started happening is, um, and it, it will happen. The it starts loosening up because the Teflon is. In contact with wood and wood. All right. So, um, all right. So, the the point is, it shows up x number of years later, twenty yeah, thirty. Okay, right. I got it. That's your argument, implied warranty, that okay. it's not even going to show up for uh, un- until thirty years later. And do, do you do you think someone on your website would take this as a class action? No, God, no. what class action? How many people do you know are getting screwed out of this? Oh, I'm, I bet I, you there's a there's a bunch. Um, yeah, uh, maybe you know what? Why don't you call? I don't think there's a class action suit there because there simply aren't enough people. Uh, Steinway does not sell that many pianos, but you can try. You can go and okay. go go to go to dot com. Ask for uh, the see if there's a class action. Call Steinway and get to somebody. Get to Mister Steinway, uh, which I'm assume Steinway died in 1902 or something. And then uh, try to get somebody there and say, hey, guys, look what you did. And this is Steinway, for God's sake. You're Steinway. You're not going to back this up? Right. That's what I would do. And whenever you go to court, make sure you speak even slower because the judge will absolutely fall asleep. All right? Okay. Okay, good. Good for you. Oh, uh, Jody. Hello, Jody. Hi. Yes. Can I I get the papers and do a living trust myself? Sure. Do it on the Internet. Great. All right. Thanks for calling. Well done. I love those kinds of phone calls. Quick, to the point. Matter of fact, why don't we do an hour of yes, no? I really, really like this. Okay, Mark. Hello, Mark. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. How are you doing? Go ahead. Well, I would just tell you one thing. Uh, my son is a classical piano teacher and uh, does Bosendorfers, and uh, there's 22 moving parts each key. So I don't know what happened to that guy, but uh, Steinways, depending on what year, anyway, they're awesome pianos. Okay, well, I, I said that. I thought you were going to come up with an answer. I thought you were going to say, and well, here's what he I can will. do. I can't believe that there's a full all there. But anyway, okay. here's my deal. Thanks for your advice. All right, let's move on. Okay. Well, my did my boys in the in the business world of that. Okay. So well, anyway, again, thanks for your advice. What happened All to right. me was my wife and Mercury Insurance changed my uh, in car insurance from business to work and school. I got in a car wreck and... Uh, I was off the site. It didn't matter. And now uh, Mercury's denying my claim, and I'm being sued by Jacob and Rami for $40 million. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And And how many people did you kill in the car accident? None of them. Okay. How many people were injured so they're never going to be able to walk, talk, move again? Well, from what I heard from the other insurance company, he had a dislocated hip. But I've got pictures that's not, of that's, the rest. Yeah, that's not worth $40 million, a dislocated hip. Because you can dislocate my well, hip all day for $40 million. So I would don't worry about the $40 million. The issue you have is with Mercury Insurance. Who switched the policy? How did the policy get switched? 
my wife forged my signature Great. because she was being pressed by Mercury to change me from a Why? business license. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, that's wait, 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 that's bizarre. Insurance agents don't press you to change policy. There's no reason why they would. Well, I actually have a memo, internal memo from Mercury that I copied where they were going through all the people like me that a building inspector, I drive from site to site. And I have a memo where they were asking their agents to go through all their their clients to see if they could change that, which is very bizarre. Yeah, uh, how did you get so, that? Me- how'd you get that memo? Uh, good question. I was an email. Why would they send you an email, an internal e- email that they're sending to their agents? I don't know. That's right. crazy, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Because, and you you call, all right. So did you talk to your wife? Okay. You let's, all right. Let's go back to your wife. Why would she forge your signature? Because her her dad's uh, a big time uh, CPA guy. He was stroking out, and they kept. I've got actually probably ten letters where Baronker Insurance, my broker, was pushing her to do a business exclusion off of my insurance. But uh, Mercury never called me, never told me. All right, but they just said, why why would Mercury call you or tell you if uh, there is a switch and they see your signature? What are they going to ask? My wife forged my signature. I understand, but you, you think that Mercury has to check every signature to see if it's forged or not. Yeah, but why wouldn't they notify me? They changed it from... Well, because uh, you didn't get you, and you didn't school. get it, and you didn't get a change of policy. It was just no. changed. All right. Well, you got you've got some talking to do with Mercury. I mean, you've got so many issues going on here. You've got the forgery. You have the memo. Uh, you have the issue where they didn't send you a renewal policy that changed everything. No, they didn't exactly. So here's my last question. Uh, I just got served by Jacob and Rami for forty million. Yeah, of course. And so now Mercury's calling me, not Baranka which is my broker, saying I want a copy of the uh, the summons. You send it to which... them. You send it to them instantly. Oh, really? Because, yeah, because that smells like they want to see it because they have to defend you. Because well, if they don't defend you... they're denying my claim. It doesn't matter. My... It doesn't matter. Why? If they're denying your claim, why would they want to see the policy? Exactly. That's yeah, that's crazy. why you want to send it to them. Ugh. What a complicated mess that was. Wouldn't it be easier to go, yes? I wish he had just said, after all of that, so, Bill, do I have a complicated case? Yes. Thanks for calling. This is Handle on the Law. That's what I'm gonna do. I got the same old shoes. Good morning, Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. More Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right, let's do it. Steve. Hello, Steve. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Yeah. um, So I moved out of uh, rental property three weeks ago, um, and I did the whole cleanup and everything. Uh, I have pictures. They, you know, they look like a clean house. Um, But the uh, I got the deposit back or at least what's left of it. And they charged me $250 for a post move out clean. And. Uh, the people that they had uh, clean up was another property management group that resides in the same exact building as they do. 
So it almost feels like they're kind of just... It could be. So you have photos of the entire house, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I mean, really... I mean, you could probably... Not not super detailed where I like, oh, look at this, you know, one one square foot of the oh. floor. But I mean, just general photos. All right. So you have... Okay. You have that. Now, uh, look at your lease. Does it say non-refundable cleaning fee? Uh, it does not. All right. So now you're going to argue over the $250. So they are returning your uh, deposit minus two hundred and fifty dollars, correct? Well, among other things that I'm like, gonna like what? Uh, uh, well, uh, I need. I had to do a, a professional carpet cleaning, uh, which I did, and I gave them. Uh, I overnight I put in their in their slot uh, a copy of the invoice. Uh, apparently they didn't get it or all right. well, I don't know what the deal is. That's going to be their defense. All right. They, so here's what you do. You add all of that together. You ask for the yeah. 200, you have the $250 they didn't give you and whatever carpet cleaning, whatever extraordinary efforts you had to do that was their fault. Uh, now, did you need the carpet cleaning, uh, when you moved in or as a result of you being in the place? Well, I had to, I had to do the carpet cleaning, um, on a move out. So, and so, Wait, so to move in, you mean? To move, no, when I moved out, I have I had to do the uh, carpet cleaning. Why? Why wouldn't the $250 cover it? Oh, well, they charged me $250 for a post-move out cleaning, and then they also, for like $180 or All right, so what you get to do yeah. is simply go to small claims court and put all your damages together and see what a judge has to say. Uh, that's, uh, that's really easy. All right, James. Hello, James. Morning, Bill. Yes, sir. A lot of uh, hot piano talk this morning. Yeah, really hot piano talk. All right, what can I do for you? Curious curious about California labor laws being what they are. Does does being a salaried employee mean you're not entitled to an actual day off? I don't think you're entitled to a day off anyway. When are you entitled to a day off uh, not being a salaried one, being an hourly employee? They can have you work your five days a week and just not say there are no day offs when we uh, work uh, here. Okay. Yeah, so the, if, they if, could force you to work. Okay. Yeah. So well, any days off that, like I've said, I'm, I'm out of town for a wedding. Yeah, they can. They can, they they can, can call yep. me and. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Now, even beyond that, you know what else can they can do? You can't go. And then they fire you, and uh, that's legitimate. Well, I don't know if it's legitimate. It's allowable. You know, the few times I tried that, it was very, very tough. I had to back down. This is Handle on the Law. And good morning on a Saturday. Handle here right up until 11 o'clock. Excuse me. And a couple things. First of all, uh, phone numbers. 800-520-1534. So I have a couple lines open. It's top of the hour. And as always, if you happen to need a lawyer, and I'll be talking about this uh, because people always ask me where I get a lawyer, where I get a lawyer, uh, you can go to handleonthelaw.com. We have lawyers in every area, and it's always kind of neat because if you have a problem, you call me, and I start screaming at the lawyers. And uh, so... 800-520-1534 for the phone numbers, handleonthelaw.com for the other thing. All right. Ah, uh, wow. Uh, th- oh, this is Handle on the Law. Forgot to do that. All right. 
A really interesting case, uh, and it shows the difference between the Obama administration and the Trump administration. All right. Uh, In uh, 2015, the FDA blocked Texas from bringing in a shipment from overseas of a drug that was used to kill people in uh, the execution when uh, they were uh, convicted of a capital crime and given death penalty. Uh, And that is sodium uh, thiopental. And it wasn't approved in the United States at the time. Uh, But Texas brings it in and the FDA shuts it down saying because it was not approved, it was improperly labeled, you can't bring it in. And uh, I guess the label said only to be used to kill people. And uh, they thought that was improperly labeled, although I thought that's a perfect label of the drug. Okay, well, that was, of course, during the Obama administration. Texas, incidentally, immediately sued, saying that the FDA lacks jurisdiction over the death penalty drugs. Because this is not for the use by the consumer. The intent of the FDA, if you look at the, uh, the intent of the creation of the FDA, was to provide protection for Americans... This is solely to kill inmates. So the FDA uh, is interfering with the state of Texas' ability to, in fact, execute and execute, execute the executions. Now, that is a really interesting case, isn't it? Because it's the states that control how and where they're going to execute their prisoners. Now, there are some constitutional issues involved, a cruel and unusual punishment, that sort of thing. Those are constitutional issues. Uh, someone getting the death penalty, uh, the jury was comprised of too many white people, there wasn't uh, good defense made. I mean, all of that. Those are constitutional issues. But the very, the very purpose or the very point of that execution, right, what kind of drug to be used, and the Supreme Court has not ruled that uh, this drug is unconstitutional. Has not. So uh, the FDA during Obama said he can't do it. We're shutting it down. And Texas immediately sued. So now the Justice Department issues a legal opinion saying that Texas is right and we, the federal government, are wrong. We're fine with executions. With sodium uh, thiantopol. And Texas has the right to bring it in. Interesting. Goes to show you the difference between uh, two jurisdictions or two administrations. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take a phone call or two. Louise. Uh, all right, Louise, you're up. Welcome. Hi. Yes. Um, about 10 years ago, I got divorced, and I was able to keep my home to the HAMP program, I believe it is. And... Um, the house is, um, the title is in my name, but they still kept my ex's name on the loan. And he's talking about filing bankruptcy, and I'm wondering if that's going to affect me. Well, who's paying the mortgage now? I am. Right. So, uh, no, you still keep on paying the mortgage. He can uh, file for bankruptcy all day long, and he's going to go bankrupt, and he will no longer be responsible for the loan, and it'll just be you. And it doesn't make any difference because you're paying the loan now anyway. Cool. Thank you. Because yeah, I called uh, the loan company and they acted like they couldn't give me an answer. So. Well, there's their answer. As long as listen, as long as payments are made, no one cares about anything. Theoretically, they could call the loan, but I can't imagine they would. 
and you want to call the loan company and say, this is going to happen. I just want to give you a heads up and see what they say. That's certainly uh, what I would do. All right. James. Hello, James. Hey, how you doing? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Oh, I'm right here in Whittier, California, trying to get a lawyer, sir, because uh, I've been going through a custody battle trying to get uh, trying to get my son, and uh, I proved DCFS uh, falsified documents, and so did my ex. And, All right, wait, uh, wait. Okay, hold on. The Department of Social Services yes, sir. is falsified documents so you won't get your son? Yes, sir. That's and how correct. do you know they falsify documents? I've been going through all the paperwork, sir. And um, man, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that wasn't filled out correctly by them. Like and what? Like also, what? Like what? Um, about about me, uh, about me taking care of my son, sir. And uh, all right, what do they say? Me- no, what do they say specifically? Okay, they say they say that um, that I was a danger to my son, but um, that was due to my ex ex lying right there, and she she got me falsely arrested one time and uh, a couple months ago and made me miss uh, children's court. All right, so yeah, okay, that, right yeah. now it's uh, all right based on they simply believe her. Yes, sir. Okay, now, and I'm assuming you have a lawyer, right, James? Yeah, yes. Okay. I got, I got, I had a lawyer, sir, and uh, he, this guy, he didn't let me uh, present all the evidence that I have against this girl. Your and, lawyer did um, not let you present all of your evidence? Y- yes, because he, he said he was a uh, children's court lawyer, and he's not a criminal lawyer, that's why. That's not, this is not a criminal case. Yes, exactly. You know, and that's and uh, that's what I had told him. I said, "Sir, this this is not a, this is not a criminal case, which I can uh, show you my evidence." And nope, they in uh, Monterey Park, they didn't let me. Uh, All right, have, that's weird. You know, that's one of those things where nothing. okay, what do you? Uh, so, what do you want from me, James? I wanted to see if you had a, a lawyer. Yeah, that go I to can, the website. Yeah go, a, yeah, go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com. Because whenever you make an allegation of a public agency lying, making things up, by the way, that's not to say they don't. There have been a couple of cases uh, in L.A. County where uh, the social workers did lie uh, and uh, a couple of kids were killed, were tortured, beaten, uh, and, uh, well, they were actually tortured to death. Uh, Usually the boyfriend of the mother and the mother was complicit. And they found out, you know, obviously a huge investigation ensued. And found out that the social workers uh, lied about going uh, to the home, saying that he did, and they and they didn't. Uh, lied about uh, coming in and checking out uh, whether everything is okay. Did not do a proper investigation. Uh, there were a few issues where social workers were told by, for example, both the police and teachers, the kid is bruised, and that there's something wrong. And the social Depart- the Department of Social Services did nothing. Uh, and so, I mean, it does happen. But if you're talking, uh, uh, this is one of those situations where probably no lawyer is going to pick it up. Because at best, uh, the lawyer, uh, the judge is going to say, okay, wrong. Uh, and uh, James, you get your kid back for the appropriate time. So I don't know. I don't know uh, which lawyer would pick it up. And heretofore, see, that's the problem is uh, you extrapolate. You have these few instances in which social workers truly are criminal, uh, and maybe they make things up, but everybody who loses a kid says that. Everybody.
Because anybody, have you ever seen anybody uh, other than those who plead guilty, the 1%, nobody ever did it. Go to jail. See how many people didn't do the crime. Just start counting down the rows of the cells. This is Handle on the Law. And good morning on a Saturday. Handle here. And we do have a few phone calls uh, open, a couple phone lines open, which sometimes happen in the middle of the hour. 800-520-1-KFI. That's 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. And you won't have to wait a hugely long time unless... Your call is in, well, no, I was going to say, if it's incredibly stupid, you usually get on. Uh, But let me put it this way. If it's astoundingly boring and you put me to sleep instantly, uh, then I either hang up on you, don't take the call, or start snoring right on the air, which has happened before many a time. 800-520-1534. All right, welcome back to Handle on the Law. Oh, yes. Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, Bill, thanks for taking my call. Um, I am a senior uh, moving from beautiful Sherman Oaks to a senior community in Summerlin, Nevada. Uh, beautiful place. And uh, as a uh, longtime realtor in uh, California, I hired a, an, a, a realtor to represent me in this purchase. And um, all, along the way, uh, I, and this, the home that I looked at that was represented in the MLS as uh, furnishings available. So these were the heirs of the decedent who either lived in the house or who died uh, as the owner. You of know, the this house. is getting, this line is not particularly wonderful. You're not on a speaker, are you? Uh, I, I am, but I could do that. And wow, better. Wow, you know, I've, I've always, I've never understood people that are on a speaker. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, you're calling I'll, me. I'll tell you why. It hurts to, to keep the phone to the neck for some of us, and you got to me amazingly quick, so that's why. Oh, we, right, okay. We're two and a half minutes into the phone call, and uh, that's amazing. All right, go ahead. Uh, all right, okay. so uh, it's the decedent family had um, I had this furniture in the house. And enlisted it as furnishings available. Okay. But they, they, they put uh, five yellow tags on pictures not available. So they uh, they put not available on that. So the, meaning that the other items were available uh, theoretically. And, I, and I, I mentioned prior to me, so we had an accepted offer. None of the furnishings were mentioned in, uh, in my offer uh, at the behest of my uh, uh, realtor. I said, all right, that's good strategy. But before I, I met any of my contingencies of uh, inspection or loan approval, I said, you know what? I like Almost 90% of these furnishings, they're nice. I like them. Uh, and he kept on dissuading me from bringing them up. I said, well, listen, I, I want you to bring them up because, you know, and I took copious notes and pictures. And I, all right, this is going really long. Okay. All right. Bottom line, the, the seller uh, removed those furnishings and said they were no longer available. Because uh, you took so long. Because, yeah, I met my contingencies. Yes. Okay. And yeah, and and and, and, and so what? And so what? And so what are you looking? And so what are you looking for? Uh, I'm looking. Well, I'm looking for uh, compensation because How much? now the house where the carpeting is looks like taka uh, because of all the uh, divots from the, the from the sofas and tables okay. and chairs. How, uh, mu- how much? How much? How much? How much would you like? 
no less than $5,000. Uh, what is the value of the furniture? The value of the furniture used could be uh, 4500 How do you know? It was nice stuff. No, I know. How do you know? Uh, you know, once, uh, I'm assuming you also make your living as, appraise, uh, as an appraiser of furniture. There you are, your certification. No, but, but, uh, I'm, six, I'm 62 years old. I've, I've purchased furniture before. It could be less than that, actually. All right, when's the last time you sold used furniture? Um, uh, about seven years ago. Okay. And much, le- much less value, actually. I, I'm not arguing that. problem is is uh, that to ascertaining uh, compensation, uh, the, it's, it's so speculative uh, that it, it doesn't make much sense to, uh, to argue uh, that this is the value of this furniture and you screwed me out of the furniture and the dings and the divots. Um, I mean, you can try, uh, but I, I really don't know where you're going. It's just that stuff happens. You can try to figure out the value of the furniture based on the judge is going to say, how do I know? Uh, you wanted the furniture. You're willing to pay for it. Uh, you have. But you see, if you get the money, uh, you have no furniture and the money. So you want to buy uh, the equivalent furniture with the money, but then that means you get free furniture, right? Well, uh, I, I guess that was never my intention, though. But Bill, you're going to, to go if you furniture. get, let's say, you get five thousand dollars to buy furniture, and your agent comes up with the five thousand dollars, you've just basically gotten five thousand dollars worth of furniture for free. Well, no, because he did, he uh, was not serving, acting as my fiduciary. Oh, no, I understand. I no, I get him. that. Well, I don't know about the fiduciary part, but I understand that. No, I understand what you're saying. But you haven't been damaged $5,000. What you've been damaged is the ability to pay $5,000 for furniture. And what Agreed. you're saying is give me $5,000 so I can buy furniture, and effectively you're going to buy the furniture and give it to me. Because I'm gonna, I want five thousand dollars worth of furniture, which you're going to pay for. There's a the problem there. Agreed. Uh, so well, one other one other question. We if, have to go very I, quick. I get your point. All right. Uh, the condition of the property uh, when I when the offer was uh, offered and accepted, the driveway. And I know you're into beautiful homes and driveways. Was a beautiful gray cement front driveway with uh, without any uh, uh, tire pock marks and. When these uh, people remove the furnishings, and it really doesn't matter who put the big black tire marks all, all right, over so the driveway. All right, so that one you have. Now, the cost of removing the tire marks, et cetera, which is probably a couple of hundred dollars uh, or whatever that is, that's legitimate. That you've been damaged. Here's the money. Here's what it's going to cost me to bring it back to where it was when I paid for it. See, there's, there's a difference. One is I want free stuff. The other one is uh, you've been damaged. See, I don't know where you're going with that. I know where I'm going. I'm leaving. This is Handle on the Law. And good morning, Handle here until 11 o'clock. That's every uh, Saturday. Leo Laporte follows us at 11. And as I go through the show and you wonder how do I get hold of a lawyer, you go to HandleOnTheLaw.com. That's an easy one, where uh, these lawyers actually know what they're talking about. Where I sometimes, well, I rarely, uh, I almost never uh, know what I'm talking about. And I'll prove it to you over uh, the next little while. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hi, Betty. 
Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Um, I wanted to ask you, can you hear me? Uh-huh, certainly can. Okay, I wanted to ask you, um, uh, how do, uh, can you serve a restraining order to a patient that's being evaluated at a psych hospital? Oh, uh, so tell me uh, why you would want to. Well, because I wasn't able to serve him before he went. Yeah. Uh, what did he do to, to you? Uh, I, no, I understand. What, what before did, he was arrested. What, 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 what did he do to you that you want a restraining order? Well, I'm kind of afraid that he might come back to our building and want to uh, harm us and, or harm me in particular. All right. So you were given, uh, she just want to serve him to go in front of a judge. Okay. Uh, so uh, your question is, do, do can you serve someone in a psych ward, correct? That's correct. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea at all, <laughs> but thank you so much for calling. All right, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hey, Bill. Yes, sir. Off the, off the speakerphone. Sorry about that. I was trying to click it off. Okay. Hey, uh, how are you doing, Bill? Um, I have a quick question. Um, do you know much about... Uh, unclaimed money that sure. relatives to get put into state funds, and sure. the relatives have an access to. Ah, I know, I know, I know how to get funds. I know how to get hold of funds. Yeah, that are yours. Yeah, yeah. I was curious because I have an uncle, a great uncle in New York, who passed away, and he always promised my mom that he had a lot of money for her. And we did a little investigating, and there's probably twenty line items with stuff connected to his name, but. I just don't know how to connect the dots and what kind of right. lawyer now, so, I would speak okay. to. Okay, so well, let me ask you: How much money do you think is there for someone to collect? You know, that—that's what—that's a great question. I mean, there's stocks to Citicorp, there's stocks to J.P. Morgan okay. Chase. There's one line that's a lot of the line items. Right. And this all, and this all, check. and this all is with the state. This it has a, is cheated to the state. It's a great term, by the way, is cheat, which means if they can't <laughs> yeah. find anybody. Uh, whoever holds the funds, et cetera, then just gives it to the state, and then the state holds yeah. it for a period of time. And at several years, they try to find you and send out letters, or you can go to uh, the the website of uh, whatever state, or uh, it's actually the state here in California. I don't know who does it in other states. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so what your question is, uh, you want is it with the state, first of all? Yeah, it's in okay. the New York state. Uh, Got it. State. And... Uh, who and your is your great uncle still alive? No, no, he passed away. Okay, so many, I'm many sorry. Years okay, ago. so who is uh, alive? Who is the closest person connected to him? Probably me. And you are a great nephew. Uh, yeah, my mom. He was my mom's uncle and his okay. god, her godfather. Right. All right. So uh, I got it. All right. So the question is, how uh, do you get hold of the money? Being a great nephew. Of someone who has Correct. a pile of money. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do the same thing I did last phone call. I have no okay. idea whatsoever, but thanks for calling. <laughs> oh, let's see. Can we do the hat trick, you think, at some point? I mean, I could guess. Uh, and the guessing is that uh, to prove that, well, two things. Number one, uh, to prove that there's no other relatives around uh, that are closer. I think that's not an easy thing. I mean, there has to be a lot of searching. There has to be a zealous search. Uh, and there, I, I'm, sh- I'm sh- well, this is a lawyer. There's no question. If we're talking about this much money, we're talking a trust in a state lawyer in New York. I mean, it's not going to be done here, uh, but it's, you know, way, way beyond my pay grade. Well, not beyond my pay grade because I tend to overcharge. 
Uh, what it is is way beyond my knowledge grade. You see how that works? All right, May. Hello, May. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I did ask the question, would it be advisable for uh, Chapter 7? Now, let's say none of these bills I made. I've been down in my bed sick for years. I come up with these bills. What bills? And, I mean, people uh, are uh, sending you bills. Yeah. All right. Well, the bills have been made apparently through the years. And you, you don't want the companies, right? No, I don't care. Uh, was it credit card companies? Yes. Okay. It yes. Is, okay. So it's credit card company. Say, how, how much money? If you add all of them together, how much do you owe? I'll round it out to twenty thousand. Okay. And uh, are they all within four years? Uh, some of them, no, really. Okay. Some of them, them are older than four years, years, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So those you don't have to worry about unless you've already been served and you've been sued. So okay, I did. I did get an, a, a message from from the bank from one of the banks. And they uh, filed five fourteen. I think they said. I don't know what a five fourteen is. They uh, did they that file was a, a filing date for it? Yeah, that was a filing date for the suit. Oh, that's not filing a five fourteen. That's that's filing on five fourteen. So they filed. Okay. A, so they filed a lawsuit. All right. How much money yes. for, is that lawsuit uh, for, Janet? Seven thousand. Okay. And uh, you can go Chapter Seven. You can go bankrupt if you want. Uh, or and well, let's talk about how much money you have. None. None. And uh, so I would let them know you have no money. What's your income? Is it only Social Security? Yes. Okay. And how much do you make a month? None. Let's say nine sixty. Okay. You get a check for $960 a month. Here's what I would do. Yes, sir. Is I would, it doesn't matter. They're not going to get a judgment. Uh, they're, they're not even going to court. What I would do is uh, contact uh, the law firm that's uh, suing you. Uh, I would send them a copy of uh, your uh, your Social Security. Uh, do not. I don't. Is it direct? It's direct deposited, right? Or is it a check? It's direct deposited. Okay. Just so, just the front of uh, the check. You don't want to see the back where it's direct deposited. Oh, I don't even know if there's a record, so uh, you don't actually have a wait copy. Wait a minute. It goes. It goes straight from Social yeah, Security. To right. The bank. I know. And I'm trying to think of. So you don't see a check, but you get the yeah. knowledge. So what I would do is send them a copy and and make sure you black out any information about the bank account where it's going to. So they don't know. You do not want to give the law firm the information where that money is going to. All you want to do is show them that this is what I'm living on, $960, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then you don't even have to file a chapter uh, a bankruptcy because uh, it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you eight hundred thousand dollars. It's going to cost you a month's what? income. Oh, that much? Oh yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. It's not cheap to file a bankruptcy if you do it right. I mean, it's it's the oh. the, the least I've ever heard is eight hundred bucks. So mm-hmm. uh, that's what I would do. Just say, hey, I have no money. I'm broke. This is what I live on. Mm-hmm. And then, do you have a pet cat or uh, do you have a pet at all? Me. No, I understand. No. Well, do, do, okay. Do you have no. any friends uh, that have pets? Um, yes. Okay. Uh, and what? Dogs, cats? Dogs. Dogs. All right. Here's what I want you to do also. You have a cell phone, right? Yes. Okay. I want you to go to your friend's house and take a picture of uh, the, either the canned dog food or the bag of dog food. And with that, send a picture of the dog food and say, this is what I'm living on. This is dinner tonight, and here is my check, and I have no money. 
That'll work. Okay? You have to be kidding me. No, I am dead serious. Hmm. That's certainly what I would do. And I'm willing to bet she probably does, you know, have a a little nibble there uh, for dog food. Those little nibbles and tibbles and, and treats, those aren't half bad, I must tell you. They're crunchy, they're good, and we're going to take a break. This is Handle on the Law. And good morning, Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock, Leo Laporte. Two o'clock, it's uh, the one and only Neil Saavedra. Had lunch with Neil yesterday, uh, and... He and I hang quite a bit together, and we went to we went to a very high end restaurant yesterday. We went to Chili's, and Chili's is usually on a much higher level than we normally eat. Uh, Schnitzel, when they have nineteen uh, corn dogs for a buck, uh, those are the great days instead of the usual fifteen for a dollar. So you you, you go for it. Have you had you had their hot dogs with the chili? I mean, oh, it's fantastic. The chili comes out of these huge cans they get from Costco. I mean, it's just it's absolutely wonderful. All right, guys, eight hundred five two zero one five three four. Back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Lauren, hello, Lauren. Lauren, do I have you right? Uh, Lauren? Hello? Yes, ma'am. What can I do yes, for I'm, you? Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. My ex-husband recently passed away, and I think that I am still listed as the beneficiary of his retirement account. So I'm wondering if that's something that I'm entitled to. Okay, depends on the retirement account itself, how it's written up. Uh, does his retirement account disappear? And uh, is there, uh, when you say you're a beneficiary of it, is it, is it is it specifically your name or is it a spouse? You have to read well, the documents. Uh, it's really important. Well, I don't have access to the documents because he's my ex-husband. I don't well, have any of that. Then you, well, then but you want I you know want... that while we were married, it was specifically listed my name. Okay. That may help if that was never taken off, although it, that, that could be... Uh, uh, retirement accounts. Uh, I've never heard of someone other than a spouse getting a retirement account. Then you have to look at how uh, the retirement was chosen. For example, I have a retirement account uh, with uh, the union that represents me, and after mm-hmm. the American Federation of uh, Television and Radio Artists, they call us artists. I have no idea why. And uh, so I've got two choices on my retirement plan, my pension plan, and one is I take it until I die. And then it disappears, or I take it and the surviving spouse until he or she dies. It's less money, but let's say I die first, which means my wife Mm -hmm. gets it until she dies. And those are the two choices uh, that I have. And I think most of those work that way. So uh, that's the first question is whether there is a, a surviving, and it's usually spouse, but let's give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, or maybe your name is on it. Then you have to figure out uh-huh. uh, if it's surviving, you're in great shape. It would have to be. If your name is on it, it would have to be surviving. Otherwise, there'd be nothing else to say. So uh, what I would do, do you happen to know the company that's holding the retirement funds? Yeah, we right. work for the same company. So oh, I have right. a very similar then you call Then you call them up and you call the administrator and say, hey, 
uh, am I entitled to uh, a portion of the retirement or all the retirement, depending on what he chose? That's an okay. easy one. He's, re- he's remarried. Now, see, that's why I ask. My guess is it's surviving spouse. And then if, in my case, I do, did put my wife's name because they have to ascertain that I am married legitimately to who. And if it's a divorce, uh, there ain't no surviving spouse until there is a remarriage. Now the uh-huh. uh, yeah. Now the other hand is uh, while you were married, the money that went in to the retirement account, you're entitled to half of anyway, unless it disappeared. Okay. Unless the retirement fund just disappeared uh, because uh, the uh, you die and the money is gone, kind of thing. That's the way most retirements work. They don't keep on going and going and going. This is not an investment uh, that continues on. It's not hard assets. It's a retirement fund. Uh-huh. So uh, you call them up. And see what happens. My guess is you're screwed uh, because you're no longer the spouse. And uh, so what what happens is, um, well, you stay married. You run off with your 22-year-old boyfriend, and you simply stay married if you can. Janet. Hello, Janet. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. A few months ago, my husband and I bought a lot with a house to be built on it in a development in Arizona. The lot is a third of an acre. Well, before they started building the house, they raised the elevation on about half of the lot where the house was going to be built, but leaving a slope going down to the rest of the lot. And we'll be using the lot for our RV, and the slope will make it difficult to move that around. All right, so here is uh, the question. All right, you bought the lot, and subsequent to the purchase, they somehow did the uh, the work, the excavation work? They Yes, they raised it. They, they ra- raised- After you bought it, after you yes. owned it? After we bought it. Oh, interesting. Interesting, unless they were obligated to do so. And is it in a homeowner association? Well, yes, a small one, yes. Okay, well, then you have to check the CCNRs of the homeowner associations. That's for starters. Okay. And... And I'm wondering, uh, was there a code issue where they had to move uh, the land to meet code? And then they, they did it to make sure that uh, they met the terms of uh, the sale? You know, I when they did it, they said they were keeping all the houses. We're the last house on the street. And they wanted them to stay at the same level. But, you know, so that's why our lot, it's slightly sloped down by okay. the cut. So now there's a lot of issues here. Issue number one is were they required to? Is there a zoning issue? Is there a CCNR issue? When was a lot purchased? Was it silent in escrow? Does it say anything about the lot will be uh, the lot will be provided to you at uh, with this kind of uh, uh, this kind of configuration? And all of that has to be looked at really carefully. And uh, okay. you get what you get to do is talk to a real estate attorney to figure this uh-huh. out. Because there are CCNRs involved, there are zoning issues involved, or there's requirement for zoning issues. I mean, the zoning is done, but requirements before you can uh, put up a house. I mean, I guess to, there's it's it's a little complicated. How much did you spend for your lot, by the way? Well, it was included in the price of the house, so like two eighty. It's uh-huh. in Arizona. Oh, okay. So, I mean, that's reasonable. Uh, yeah. So, and then you can always ask for a waiver also uh, under the circumstances, which is why, again, you're talking to a real estate attorney. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, they're they're dragging their feet. They won't tell us that yeah, they'll get do a real, it. Yeah, a real estate attorney will start talking to them and scream, and believe me, they'll, uh, they'll react. This is Handle on the Law. Yeah. 
And uh, good morning on a uh, Saturday handle here. And still another hour to go. First, let's start with giving you a phone number because top of the hour is always the best time to call. And we have lines open. 800-520-1534. You know, I have two monitors on uh, all the time. I watch news and hear they're doing a fried chicken sandwich during a commercial. I'm dying here. I mean, that looks so damn good. Uh, I know where I'm going to stop by on the way uh, out. Anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, phone number, 800-520-1534. Lines are open. It's uh, always good. Coming up at 11 o'clock, uh, Leo Laporte till 2 o'clock, and then Neil Saavedra. Neil is uh, the foodie guy, friend of mine, obviously, very close friend. And uh, after that, Neil's 2 to 5. I think Mo Kelly then 6 to 8. I'm trying to remember all this. I haven't ta- to- talked to you in a while. And then at 8 o'clock, uh, it is... Uh, uh, Brian Suits, right? Brian with uh, Dark Secret Horrible, uh, Never Get Out of a Dark ho- Hole show. All right. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, this has to do with teachers being armed. Ever since the school shootings have really ramped up, uh, one of the suggestions, one of the uh, avenues of uh, response one of the answers that a lot of people are saying is let's just arm the teachers you'll have uh, trained teachers who have taken courses and they're there to protect so when the shooter comes in before first responders because it's going to take at best three four minutes and it's uh you could do a lot of damage in three or four minutes or even two minutes so the um, Butler County in Hamilton, Ohio, uh, allowed teachers uh, to be armed. Well, the parents immediately sued the district uh, from arming those teachers or employees, janitors, whatever, uh, from carrying weapons unless they complete the 700-plus hours of training required by peace officers under Ohio law. In other words, what the parents were saying is if a teacher is going to be armed, that teacher has to be trained to the same level that a cop has to be trained. And that was the lawsuit. And uh, the judge said, uh, no, not quite. If you read the statute, uh, the school staff does not have to be treated as security personnel. The only people that are required to be treated as cops are cops, like the resource officer, who is a who is a trained cop. It's a peace officer. And so the judge said the plaintiff's proposal, these are the parents, reading of the statute is, untes- uh, is untenable based on the context of the statute. The phrase at issue, this is where it all, uh, it, uh, it, it, this was the phrase that, it, that was concerning. Right. This was the phrase at issue. A position in which such a person goes armed while on duty in context must refer to persons otherwise privately employed in a police capacity. Right. Teachers, administrators, assistants, custodians are not employed as security personnel. And therefore, they are not required to have the same training as a peace officer. And by the way, you don't necessarily have to be a peace officer. 
you know, for example, a school resource uh, officer uh, doesn't necessarily have to be a cop. That is the statute there does involve a resource officer. And I don't have the statute in front of me at a level where it is either someone who is a cop or an ex-cop that at one point had uh, the training, the post training, uh, police officers training, whatever they call it, uh, the post exam that was passed. I think the data states is all virtually the same. So uh, teachers can be armed. Matter of fact, you can go so far as to say teachers don't even need training under the statute to be armed, although no school district in its right mind would ever, ever not have training. Uh, for a teacher who's armed, but at the same level that a cop does, that's 700 hours. And then there's ongoing training. Every year, the cops go back and retrain. So, no, it doesn't work that way. All right. Gary. Hi, Gary. Gary. Yes. Yes. uh, I uh, called 911 on an incident at the motel I was in. I ran the room. And then I found I took two hundred and fifty more dollars from my car. So when I went back to confronting, he had a gun and, and threatened me. So I called nine one one and they they wouldn't send nobody out there. So nine one one uh didn't come to my rescue. So turn around, he called the police and I had to go do thirty days in jail for terrorist threat. Okay. So he claimed that you made a terrorist threat on him. Yes. Okay. And you have to do you were convicted? Yeah, they did. Yeah, because I would have been in jail. I, uh, uh, All right, wait a second. You were—he said you did. You said you didn't, and the uh, the judge believed yeah, the him. No, the officers didn't even investigate it. They just took what his word was. All right, and, and did you? And, and so here, uh, did you ask for the uh, video? Because there's security video there. Yeah. Oh, yes, there is. I guess there is. And then the nine one one wouldn't respond. They told me to go handle it myself. But they and responded. But they responded to his call. Exactly. Okay. Well. And so you want to know what you can do about it. I love right. the terrorist threat. I mean, that's not just a threat, a terrorist threat. And they arrested right. and you because he simply it. he simply said you gave a terrorist threat. Did uh, Do you know what he accused you of actually saying, Gary? Saying that I, I, I was going to shoot him. That's not a terrorist threat. And that's what they said. They sent me to jail on that. And they said, why didn't you call uh, the police? I said, I called 911. They did not. Did not respond to it. They said they weren't going to send a car out there. But they did send it for him. And you accuse, wait a second, you're calling and saying a guy just held a gun to me. That's what I did. And they said we're not, and we're not responding. We're not going to send anybody out there. Gary, I don't know where to go with that. Truly. I mean, what do you do do with, uh, you call, a gun is held to your head. Oh, no, we're not going to go to that. Were you shot? Well, yeah, I was shot. Where, in the leg? Oh, no, that's not enough. No, 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 no. You have to be a lot uh, more seriously wounded than that. I mean, go figure that one. I don't get it. All right, David. Hello, David. You're up. Yes. yes. Uh, I sold my car uh, over a year ago. Did not turn in the release of liability. And the guy, a day or two later, left on the side of the road. A tow, tow, uh, tow truck company picked it up. And now I'm getting a bill for about twenty four hundred dollars. Okay, that was a year ago, right? Yeah. All right. Do you do you still have the receipt? Uh, not a receipt. I got the bill. You, what do you mean you got uh, the bill? You got the bill for what? 
Well, not a bill. They sent me. I don't care what they sent you. I'm talking about the proof that you sold the car. Oh, no. So you have no proof. So as far as you're concerned, as far as they're concerned, you own the car. That was abandoned, correct? Yes. All right. And so they want $2,400. Well, they're not going to get a year's worth of storage. That they're not going to get. Uh, because okay. uh, they have to, at a certain point, I don't know, 30 days or whatever, the car has to be sold. It has to be salvaged. So uh, otherwise, okay. think about this. Uh, since the statute is four years, they could theoretically keep the car for four years and send you a bill for $10,000. And that's for a car that's worth 300 bucks. Uh, Not even that. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> what, how much did you sell the car for? 100 and why didn't you go and transfer the vehicle uh, to the other fella? I work. You work. Well, Fine. I work, and I still would transfer. I still would well, do the transfer. I don't get set days off, so, you know, my time off, All right, I so, spend with my kids. So he just handed you $100, you go, here's the car. And he signed it. I kept it in my wallet for Okay, he like signed five he months. signed he signed what, David? The uh release of liability. Oh he did sign it, but you just didn't you just didn't you didn't go to you have a release of liability. Uh not, not him. Anymore. Okay. I threw it away. All right, excellent, of course you did. All right. Cleaned uh, out my, my wallet. Okay, David, what I would do is call him up and say, I'm not paying for it. And your defense is uh, you do owe probably 30, do- uh, 30 days worth, I think, is the statute. And you get to find that out and say, I'm not going to pay for a year of storage. That's crazy. Yeah. That's all, yeah. that's that's the answer. And, uh, yeah. Okay. What do, you, what do you do with that? And incidentally, the other situation, someone buys a car, gives you $100, and then takes it to the side of the road to abandon it just to spend $100 to abandon a car. There's a hobby for you. This is Handle on the Law. Until 11 o'clock when uh, Leo Laporte comes here. 11 to 2 o'clock, our tech guy. Our phone number's here. Still have a couple lines open. 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. And back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, hello, Gil. Hey, uh, Bill, I just have a question about yes. timeshare. Sure. Do you know if there's any way to get one out of one once yeah. you get involved in yeah, it. there is uh it's just very very difficult is this you uh no it's for my daughter oh your she's daughter for about 10 years yeah Sometimes she's not working she does uh well, sales kind of work now did she enjoy it for 10 years well she she uses it periodically okay and does if you were to ask her was it worth 10 years i'm sorry if you were to ask her was it worth uh buying 10 years ago forget about now I'm talking about during the time she was using it, did she think that was worthwhile? To be honest with you, I don't think she really thought about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what happens. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. They, and so they, she, Because when they talk to somebody, people always say, well, you can have this. You oh, know. yeah. The pressure, Gil, is spectacular. 
spectacular. I probably went to a conference or something. Yeah. Oh, that's what they do. Here's oh, yeah. a free. And they gave you uh, probably a little goodie. Oh, more than a little goodie. Uh, animal so I, or a something. dear no a dear friend of mine yeah. says you get three days at Disney World. We're in Los Angeles and at Disney World, not Disneyland. And uh, we'll put you up uh, at a motel. You know, obviously not the the best motel in the world. We'll put you up. And we'll uh, give you a three-day pass, which they did. But the pressure. And then they get you, you oh, know. The pressure. I mean, these guys are pros. Pros beyond pros. And but even better than that. You can't get out of them. You can't, well, you can. There are companies that get you out of those things. They're expensive uh, companies. And then uh, it depends on who owns the uh, timeshare. Which company? Is it a Marriott? Yeah. Is it a Hyatt? It is. Uh, Disney has some. And it is, it's very, very difficult. Hyatt sounds familiar. Okay. Uh, but listen, uh, she said that she even talked to somebody and ended up giving them $300, and they didn't do a thing. $300? Are you kidding? Yeah. Ten, no, eight, I'm $10,000 to get out of a timeshare. No, no, to, to look into it. Yeah, and, well, they did nothing. $300 is nothing. And who did they, yeah, who, and they, who was it? I, I'm sure they didn't promise. That was like the initial, give me $300 and I'll... Yeah, but who is just someone who does it? Was it a firm that does it? Oh, I don't know. Okay, it's pretty scammy. I mean, there's a lot of uh, scamsters out there. One, it's very hard to get out of timeshares. I mean, it can be done. Uh, it's, you know, you can try to sell it. No one will buy a timeshare. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. I know, because you get caught up into it. So, um, I don't know where to go. Are you interested? I mean. No. <laughs> no. I, I once went to a timeshare just to see what they were like. And, uh-huh. I didn't, it was tri- and I got a trip to Las Vegas, but I didn't bother with it uh, because, you know, yeah. oh, we have a trip to Las Vegas. We're going to put you up at, uh, you know, the Dead Hooker Hotel. And uh, here you go. And I, I was certainly interested in that. But it was uh, the, uh, it, the pr- I've never seen pressure like that in my life, ever. Now, if you agree to that, let's say you agree to that. Does yeah. that mean that you, you're obligated to buy it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you agree, okay. no, 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 no. You talk about going to Las Vegas, or yeah, no, no, absolutely there. not. No, oh. but no, absolutely, they, they, they don't push that. But it's hard. I mean, they lock the doors before getting you out. You do the two-hour presentation, then they break uh, you out, which means you're talking to an individual, and the pressure just starts. And yeah, my, uh, it doesn't stop. My brother-in-law, who was an orthopedic surgeon, he's gone now. But he said that's what they did to him. Oh, absolutely. Did he? And and they, did he? They were going to give him a gift. They give him a gift. Yeah. Did he you buy? Know, and then they. And then when he went to go to the door, oh, yeah, they, said, uh, it's crazy. They wouldn't let him out. Right. That's what said, they do. Listen, you let me out of here or, well, you know. Yeah. No. I, and that. And by the way, that happened to me, Gil. I mean, I, I swear I went there, remember, and I said, OK, thank you very much. I'll think about it. They can't let you think about it because you think about it. You're not going to buy it. So right. they say uh, you can't think about it. And he, and he said, yeah, you really have to stay. And I go, no, I don't. And he says, oh, no, no, you have to stay for the rest of it. And I looked at him and I said, now, do I call the police that you're uh, that I'm being held against my will? Is wow. that, is that what I'm going to do now? And then they immediately backed off, yeah. of course. Uh, but then I'm aggressive and I'm an obnoxious. And I'm, well, you know stuff. Well, yeah, theoretically. Uh, so the, the point is she's got to start researching companies It's uh, and just researching the hell out of it. And maybe what if she goes into bankruptcy. Then she's then she's out of it. Then she's done. Oh, okay. bankruptcy. You'll do it. If she, but you can't go into bankruptcy just to get out of one. I mean, she has to legitimately be a candidate for bankruptcy. So yeah. the bottom line is they're hard as hell to get out of. Uh, the I always tell people I don't believe in timeshares. And the more pressure, the more obnoxious it is, 
They are worth virtually nothing. They tell you the it's like they pretend that it's property. It isn't. And that's not to say there aren't some good timeshares out there. I think Disney timeshares, from what I've heard, are uh, well-regarded, and they actually have some value. And there are some older timeshares where it was a, a better deal. Today, it's it's on a whole different level. And, man, i tell you what else they do. They don't give you the contract. If, uh, you know, would you sign here? I go, I'm taking this to look at my lawyer. Uh, you know, uh, oh, no, no, we don't do that. You can't take the contract out of here. That's what happened to my friend. I said, think about this for a moment. You're buying something virtually in perpetuity that's going to cost you thousands and thousands of dollars over your lifetime, and they won't let you take the contract to show to a lawyer. What does that tell you? At that moment, it doesn't matter if they're giving you the moon. You say, no, thank you. Unless I'm selling you one. Then it's all good, right? This is Handle on the Law. She said I'm looking like a bad man. She said my spirit doesn't move like it did before. She said that I don't look like me no And good morning on a uh, Saturday, 800-520-1534. Right up until 11 o'clock. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. Marginal Legal Advice. Hello, Will. Welcome to the show. Hello. What can I do for you? Yes, sir. My question is about a restraining order. Um, my next-door neighbor is um, um, trying to get a restraining order against me regarding a situation. Um, for a year, we have been battling um, barking dogs by uh, my neighbors next door, and um, it's been going on for quite some time. Okay, Who, whose dogs, dogs are bar- who's do- Your dogs are barking? His dogs are barking? Uh, his dogs are barking. Okay. And we have addressed, we've addressed it by putting notes on the door. I've talked to them one-on-one, um, verbally, and also have been working through the homeowners association of our household, uh, and to no avail, the dogs continue to bark. Um, the other day he came to the, um, front door. My partner has left a note on the door again, concerned about the barking dog. Yeah, that doesn't do anything. I mean, that, that, that does, that does nothing, Will. Uh, leaving door, uh, leaving notes on doors. I mean, you're way, way past that. Uh, first of all, is it, it, five dogs are in one place, right? That is correct. That's yeah. probably illegal, right there. And I, uh, it, it is not. Oh, it's uh, not. You can have uh, five dogs. Uh, yeah, in our city, yes, you can. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. You can actually have up to six. Oh, all right, that's terrific, yeah. boy. I'm sure you have cattle too, and uh, you have. Uh, what exotic animals? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, you live out there in uh, the agricultural San land. San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Okay. All right, whatever. Six, six, all right, so square foot lot. Okay, all right, in a six thousand square foot lot, five dogs. That is hilarious. that is correct. That's that's a crowded uh, house. Okay, uh, so uh, animal control, and forget about the illegality. Illegality. Just say these uh, dogs are going crazy. Uh, that's for starters. Homeowner Association is another one. Push hard on that. I'm assuming they're ignoring you, right? Uh, well, my situation is is that he came to our front door and basically, you know, I laid into him and cussed him out. And I told him, you know, that the next time when my partner comes to your door, you need to answer the door or, you know, I'm no, coming no, through it. No, no, no. You don't okay. go anywhere near his door because what will happen is... If he calls the police, your partner gets nailed. 
if you if he comes to your door, what I would do is call the police, especially if you start getting into it, because that's threat. He's threatening you. And I don't oh, know. Well, he's, he's got me uh, set for a court case next week because he's putting a restraining order against me. For what? When, uh, because I cussed him out. Right. And I so that's what that I'm saying. And so, so here it is. You won't be able to go to his door. You won't be able to cuss him out. You won't be able to get anywhere near him. That's fine. I would do that anyway because none of that helps, Will. None of that helps. You have to go through the homeowners, the police, animal control, and that's what you have to do with the dogs. And I used to, of course, be able to say, but I can't anymore. Uh, you know. And then the other possibility is I'd give them a, a coupon to have uh, dogs, uh, Larnix, uh, their voice, uh, you know, the voice box removed. But they generally don't take advantage of that. So uh, there's not a whole lot you can do other than go through those areas. I mean, it's, uh, it's no fun with dogs barking. There's nothing easy about it. It's a very sloppy way of doing it. So do not get near him. Do not talk to him. If he shows up to yell at you, do you have one of those ring cameras, by the way? Those doorbells? I, uh, we're about to install it. Install one right now and uh, be able to record it. And it goes to your phone and you can record the damn thing uh, because you want him, the more harassing he does, to ignore him coming to the door. I mean, you've got to set this thing up where he's the bad guy. Because what he's doing is he is setting up so that you're the bad guy. Yeah. So you show up in the restraining order, and uh, you agree to the terms. You ask for him to stay away from you. And hopefully the judge does that without you filing a restraining order, too. So you have mutual restraining orders, and what ends up happening, the judges go, all right, both of you stay away from each other. But uh, even if the judge says you stay away from him, you're doing that. You're doing that anyway. Trust me, you're okay. doing that. So that's what you want to do. Yeah, dogs next door. I mean, it's just... You know, my original advice was always spectacular. You know? No, 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 no. Oh, here's Marianne. Okay. Uh, great call. Hi, Marianne. Hi there. Yes. I have a I had a small claims court against the real estate. Yes. Because they took they held on to the last month rent and the deposit of my um tenant. Okay. And I told them I was no longer doing business with them. I brought them to small claims court and I won a judgment. Oh, good for you. For how the much? Only, the uh $3,000. Okay. That's the money. The problem is the only defendant listed on the for the case is the real estate office which is now out of business. Mm. I had originally had the office manager who owns the place and the broker, but when I went to the small claims court the first time and agreed to mediation, the mediator said, so you're going to take their names off the case, right? And I was... Oh, so the mediator was uh, a real idiot. Okay. Yes. So, so I'm stuck, or do I have a case? No, you're stuck. Okay. Because you're the one that dismissed them, and you took their names off, and the case is over, and it's been litigated, and uh, you never take anybody's name off of ever, unless that it's legitimate. Obviously, if... Uh, I mean, I've been sued in the past uh, for, for involving in things I had nothing to do with. I mean, nothing. And uh, it was, a, for example, a business that was in my suite that happened to rent. And, and, I, got, and, I, and I was sued as part of that lawsuit. And uh, under those circumstances, uh, the lawyers have to let you out. Although I must tell you, I had to go to court to get my name removed. They wouldn't let my name be removed. So in this case, when you have a couple of people that are legitimately on, man, you don't, 
well, what does it look what it cost her, right? Assuming that she would have gotten a judgment and she probably would have against the other folks too. All right, Lauren. Hello, Lauren. Yes, hi. Yes. I'll cut to, I'll cut to this chase. Yes. Uh, I found my, found my brother-in-law deceased, the decomposing body in his apartment. Ooh, how long, how long was he decomposing there, Lauren? Uh, based on our window of time, we figured out three weeks to a month. Uh, what was the temperature? Oh, yeah. What was the weather like? Uh, well, it was nasty going in, but I, I moved my wife away so she couldn't see it. Okay, because that, that was her, that was her brother. Event, it was her brother, Ooh, correct. okay, so, so there he is. All right. Here, here's what we got going. In the lease, which I found, there's an early buyout clause. He had paid one year in advance. So we gave the proper notice after a walkthrough, dated it. I'm not going to say the date. And unfortunately, the odor was still there. Although we paid for a biohazmat company to come in, I felt like it was in a CSI Live episode. In any event, that was all taken care of except for the odor still remained. Now it appears there may be some fluids under the floorboard. Uh, The biohazmat people are determining that. The question I have is twofold. One, the deposit, is it affected by the early buyout as well, or are they two separate entities? So that if there is um, damages, and I suspect there will be, it will go against the deposit. But do they have a right to take it away from the early termination fee? Well, uh, the early termination fee was paid, correctly? Correct. No. Oh, it was never been. It was never paid. Nothing's been, been okay. resolved. All right. It's so, all right. So, uh, the early termination, early fee, termination fee, and I love the word early termination in your case because your brother your certainly, certainly uh, is responsible uh, for, is early termination. for early termination. And why am I getting this echo, by the way? Uh, I'm on a Bluetooth. I asked no. the man before, and he said it was okay. All right. I'm wondering if, uh, wondering if, uh, if it's on our side. If it's on our side. No, it's not. It's on your side. Uh, on um, your side. Okay. Uh, this is too- I can take you off Bluetooth. Yeah, Hold please on. take me off Bluetooth. Okay, that's better. Okay. All right. Uh, here we go. Okay, there we oh, go. Oh, God, of course that's better. Oh, God, I just go crazy. All right. So um, a couple things. Uh, first of all, the early termination fee was not paid, although you can argue your brother-in-law dying is certainly indication that early termination was paid. So there is no early termination clause because it was never paid. And as far as the... Uh, as far as uh, the cleaning fee is concerned, I mean, to clean this thing up is thousands of dollars. So they certainly keep the deposit. And and here it is. You have no duty to hire uh, the hazmat team. Neither, right. We neither. did it as a courtesy. Yes. And so uh, the money is gone. And it's just going to cost you to uh, clean up uh, the, the mess. I mean, it's uh, uh, none of it is well, good. We, we did. We did all that. We had a company come out. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It still, it still smells. Well, no, I understand that. My question was going to be, though, that early, he paid a year in advance. Oh, you, wait so a second. He paid, half months. He, he paid for the early termination fee, or did he pay the lease? He paid the lease. No, the One lease. Year. He's still in the lease, theoretically. It can't be rented. In other words, he has left them... With an unrentable property. Those are the damages. Okay. And so uh, he doesn't get the money back. They're going to, it depends on what. If you, if you do all of the cleanup, so it's brought back to a pristine pre-him moving out condition, 
Then you can argue a return of uh, whatever was paid, the early termination. So if he paid four months into it uh, and he said a year and he only lasted four months, uh, but he didn't give notice. See, that's the other issue. When you look at the early termination, there's a notice issue. Uh, I would argue that dying and rotting in a uh, in a place is pretty much uh, is pretty much. Yeah, I think that's notice. But uh, we'll see how much it costs them. What is it costing you, by the way, to clean this place up? Well, it costs twelve fifty for the house, uh, hazmat, but they're still working on it. Yeah, so it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a lot it, more it than cost, that. So I it think, cost me. It, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. It costs you what? It, it costs you eight hundred for a company to come in and clean it out. Then it costs three hundred more dollars to do a deep clean move out condition situation, and unfortunately, the, it was found alleged to have been found right. in the flooring. So yeah. now the contractor is going to have to come in yeah. and take out the flooring. And clean it. Yeah, I that don't know I if I would even. It would be about four grand. Yeah, I mean, are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to write a check? Because there, you have no, well, you have no duty to do no, it. Well, I understand that, but the point is, my brother-in-law paid the year. I understand. Four and a half months coming back at him. That's right. worth money. It is. And, and so, you, my, uh, so, what my question, uh, so, what are you going to do? So, what are you going to do? You're going to sue on behalf of your well, brother-in-law. You have to establish an estate. Right. So is no, it worth? I, I understand all that. So I it's, just gonna be, to it's going to be. You know, it's, what's going to happen is it's going to be. It's going to be countering each other. Whatever amount of money they pay, they're going to argue. You owe it to us, and we owe it to you. And that small claims court will go. Okay, let's call it even. Or if there's two hundred dollars left over, uh, boy, that's a fun situation. Walking in, let's take a break. All right, this is handle on the law. Some days you're just breathing, just trying to break. Sometimes your heart's pounding out of your chest. Sometimes it's just beating. Some days you just forget. And uh, good morning, Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning. And we uh, continue with Handel on the law, marginal legal advice. Hello, Jack. Oh, no, you know what? Let me put you on hold for a minute. Uh, you know what? I want to take uh, Dave because that's a fun one. Hey, Dave. Hello. Hey. Yes. Hi. Okay, I got three questions. Here's the backstory. My daughter thinks she wants to become a prosecuting attorney. And we're going to, she's getting ready to go to college for her BA first. And we're trying to keep her out of debt as much as we can. And we have an option between two schools. And she said, well, it doesn't matter how much loans I take out because I'm going to make 120000 a year and I'll just pay it off in like three years. No. So here's my three questions. No, that's crazy. What's the salary for a prosecuting attorney? How long does it take to get a job? Yeah, all right. First, and okay. what schools are good? For all right. So let's start with uh, uh, what's a starting salary? About sixty, sixty-five thousand dollars a year. To get to one hundred and twenty thousand, will take her ten or fifteen years, or at least eight or ten years. So that's for starters. Uh, okay. And so, uh, getting a prosecuting attorney's job is a bear because a lot of people want to be prosecutors. And what's so it's the, really hard. Okay. Oh, really hard. It's not just you walk into that job. It is tough to get that kind of a job. And as far as what's the best school, it's the best school she can get into. That's the school she wants to go to. It's that okay. simple. Just the best school. And uh, then she looks at it, and even then, it's going to be a tough, tough row uh, to hoe. Or is it hoe to row? And it's, uh, it's she. yeah, she's dreaming if she thinks, oh, I'm going to go to law school. I don't have to worry about student loans. She's out of her mind. <laughs> okay, so Thank which, you very which, much. perfect. You got it. Which is uh, absolutely perfect, by the way, for uh, someone who wants to go to law school. Couldn't be better. And here's the problem: there are no jobs out there anymore either. 
That's why law schools are shutting down. We're not talking about the first-tier law schools. You know, your Yale's or Stanford's, University of Chicago, that sort of thing. Harvard is never going to shut down. But guaranteed that uh, you have a lot of second, third-tier law schools shutting down because there are no jobs, and it's so expensive. People have to buy so much, have to borrow so much money. So the bottom line is uh, Starbucks, system manager, don't need a bachelor's degree. Well, maybe you do now. This is Handle on the Law.